Hello everyone, welcome to Luke Bricker Live. Uh, this is the preaching, teaching, uh, podcast, uh, show, whatever. Um, just wanted to chat today about 2 Corinthians. Uh, I just got done reading 2 Corinthians, finished it up, um, and what I think sticks out to me so much, uh, I mean, I'll just pause real quick and just say, we're in a unique place uh, right now here in the United States. We are so divided uh it's insane you know um there's so much stuff going on around donald trump being president and just people's opinions and thoughts and you know so um i've not seen so much disunity in probably my whole life i would say like it's amazing to me as we progress forward and we continue to go forward uh, as a people as a country as a race that like the sharpening of the division uh, just continues to get greater and greater. Um, you know, you see people that are against people simply because of skin color. You know, it's like this isn't the, you know, 60s, but actually um, it's still around. It's still here. We have people hating each other because of political parties that they associate with. We have people that uh, are so entitled to their position and their opinion, and they have so much of a... Um, marriage to it, uh, that we can't see beyond that. And so that affects us even in the church. We have such a polarization between people, uh, that ultimately I think we have got caught up and we are actually majorly, majorly distracted, uh, from what we are supposed to do. And so as I finish up second Corinthians, I'm reading and Paul is like, so sarcastic most of this time, like he's like speaking in, in these earlier parts here just about like, you know, I guess I'll, I'll speak like one of you. I'll, you know, he's like irritated. He's frustrated. He's like, I'm speaking like a madman. I'm speaking foolishly because that's how you guys speak. And he, he kind of gets childish. He kind of acts like somebody in 2016. He's like, okay, well, I guess I'll stoop down to your level and I'll talk like you. And you know, I, I'm actually better uh, than this, but you, you've done it and you've brought me here. Okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk like a fool now, you know, and he's actually, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I, I can say this because it's my thing. He's kind of annoying with it. Like he even says like in a third time, I'm telling you like, like he's like, I've told you once I've told you twice, but you guys aren't getting it. I'm telling you a third time I'm going to come to you. And, and you know, he's like, he's kind of being a jerk to these, these Corinthian people. And, you know, we, we don't know fully what's going on. And I actually had this thought, like actually first Corinthians actually is second Corinthians and second Corinthians is actually third Corinthians. We don't know what happened to that first Corinthian, the real first Corinthian document. And so I was actually having this thought just about like, I'm curious what Paul said to those people in that very first letter. Like, I'm curious if, you know, uh, whenever the Bible came to be and and I have a you know certainly my opinion on the Bible that maybe um you know will be talked about in the my other podcast uh spiritual nomad but uh this is strictly more for just you know exploring the Bible and preaching teaching so but I'm I'm wondering if at the canon uh whenever the Bible was brought to be one book you know there's a lot of stuff that surrounded that there's a lot of actually frankly sneaky stuff that is surrounding the uh, um, how we've got the Bible. And so I love the Bible. I believe it. Uh, I'm not sure where I stand on a lot of places with it, but I'm curious if what Paul wrote to those people in the first, very first letter letter. I mean, some people say it was lost. Um, 
I wonder if that is not a tradition of saying that it was lost because we were scared to show people what Paul actually really said, you know, because that's what happens with some of the other books of the Bible too. And I won't get into it all right now, but, um, you know, like you have the revelation of Peter, you know, but we didn't feel like that was fully inspired, inspired, but yet we feel like first and second Peter was, you know, what happened to the book of apostles? Uh, well, we didn't really feel like that lined up with the story. So we didn't put that in the new Testament, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I just wonder if first Corinthians was in that realm of things of like, you know, we don't want people to read this. Like we want to censor this. And because it gets to this point to where like these people are kind of irritated, like with Paul and he just stoops down to their level and becomes to be a jerk back. You know, he, he begins to, you know, um, he, he comes and he says that he's going to, you know, uh, just have to, um, you know, I fear that verse uh, 21 in chapter 12, you know, I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you and I may uh, have to uh, mourn over many of those who have sinned uh, earlier and have not repented and just like stuff like that, like that people like, I'm just curious what he said in that, in those earlier letters, uh, in that first letter um, to get to the point to where these people um Oh, I'm sorry. That was, that is kind of what I was talking about. But basically, um, he basically talks about like these super apostles and the true signs of an apostle. And basically that people were saying, um, that, you know, he take it that they, that's what it is that he, uh, took advantage of them. Like people were saying that Paul took advantage of them whenever he was with them. Like, what did Paul really do that these people think that they are being taken advantage of? And so back to what the whole idea is, is this final greeting in second Corinthians is, is like, who knows what he said in the beginning? Who knows really what he did when he was there? There was obviously some, some quarrel between the Corinthian people and Paul and Paul basically, you know, he's writing them. He stoops down to their level. He basically gets on, you know, the equivalent of a, you know, a, a Facebook, you know, chat and, you know, stoops down to that level. We know all the stooping down to the level of a Facebook conversation and <laughs> uh, disagreement. It can be very uh, stooping down and he stoops down and he kind of acts like a jerk. But the thing that I think is unique is he ends up coming to this conclusion that like, hey, you got to examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. And he just tells them, test yourselves, or, or do you not realize that this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? And so ultimately, he's like, look, we're having this disagreement. We're having this frustration. I'm acting like a jerk. And ultimately, even though like I'm like kind of acting in the flesh, sorry, that, that that's my wife in the background with my two kids. Uh, ultimately, he says like, look, at the end of the day, Jesus is in you. Jesus is in me. And we need to recognize that we have the ability and the, and the power to be able to know what is right in the truth. You know, Paul says in other places to work out your own faith with fear and trembling. And so he ultimately says, I can only do so much. And we're going to be in disagreement and we're going to be frustrated. But at the end of the day, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, lives in you. And so he ultimately comes to this final greeting. And I think this is timely for us in our day and age where we are very frustrated with each other, that we are short tempered with each other, that we don't have much grace for each other. And if you don't believe like me, if you don't act like me, you need to get away from me. Uh, I think that we need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. 
that we need to really see that we aren't the first culture, we're not the first people to have major disagreements about things of the faith, things outside the faith, how to conduct ourselves, what to believe in, and how we can bring resolution inside this family of faith that we call Christianity. But it's going to take humility. That's what Paul says. I'm going to have to humble myself. You know, it's going to take actually looking at the the pattern in the life of Jesus and beginning to live like that in our own life to actually see each other through the lens of um, of grace and of hope and of truth and of forgiveness and ultimately banding together to know that we aren't after uh, the things that bring division, that we aren't after the things that are going to cause more disunity. And I think that this last verse, the final greeting, Second Corinthians in 13, uh, you know, verse 11, you know, he says, finally, brothers, rejoice, brothers and sisters, I will add. He says, and this is what I really want to get after right here. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. It's interesting. He just gets done. Really kind of taking a step backwards in his own flesh to... (laughs) to be a jerk to these people, to kind of like get on their level. They're not really accepting of him. They have some, some, you know, bashes against Paul as well. And he says, look, at the end of all of this, no matter which side of the fence that you're on, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, no matter what you're doing, he says, look, if you are in the family of faith, we must rejoice. Because at the end of the day, life is more grand than what is happening right underneath our noses. There is a bigger picture. There is, you know, the woods looks a lot different whenever you're walking through it than when you're flying over it. You know, my wife and I were just talking about, you know, we went to the Grand Canyon and, uh, you know, it's, it looks differently. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. Whenever you're standing there at the South Rim and you're, you're taking in all of its beauty, but it's another thing to be flying over it. To actually see, like, you know, I was just seeing just this little piece. It looked like it was really big. It looked like it was a really big deal. You know, I, I, I was amazed. I was blown away. I was, you know, uh, getting a little <laughs> dangerous, I guess you could say, uh, climbing around some of these spots. But it still wasn't the full picture and the grand thing of what it was. And sometimes we can get so caught up and think that what's right in front of us is big. And certainly it is. There are big issues at hand. There is injustice. There's inequality. Uh, there is many things that are happening right now that are not right. There is these injustice things that we should take so personally that we need to bring justice. Jesus was about social justice. And if Christians are not, we are not being like Jesus. That there is a wholeness and truth that comes through people saying, this is not right. This is wrong. This needs to be corrected. You know, we need to do things. We need to, I don't know, start a nonprofit. We need to join together. We need to be focused on these things. And certainly those are big things. But what we need to know is even though where we stand, and even though those are big, as we stand on the south rim of the Grand Canyon, it's not the full actual piece of the puzzle. I'm sorry, it's one piece of the puzzle. It's not the full picture of the puzzle. So I think what Paul's saying is, is look, what we're talking about in Second Corinthians, these frustrations, these disagreements, all of this stuff, this frustration with, he calls them, quote, super apostles, these people 
you know, um, who are saying that Paul's a fraud and Timothy's a fraud and all this stuff. He's saying, yeah, certainly like these are big deals and I'm so heated about it that I'm actually acting out of character. Uh, you know, but ultimately what he, he ends with is that at the end of the day, look, this is a big deal, but it's not the biggest deal. And it is a piece of the biggest deal, but it's not the biggest deal. And so I think for us as believers, what we can do is, is we can have this on our hearts to have disagreements that we can have healthy conversation. I think one of my biggest frustrations is whenever people can't have honest, critical thinking conversations about things, theological things, missiological, um, you know, in, in our social spheres that we can't have honest conversations because we're scared that it might be, you know, outside of you know, Orthodox Christianity in our Western American world, you know, I get frustrated about that. You know, why can't we talk about social justice? You know, do we, why do we have to talk about it without having to put a cross on it? You know what I'm saying? Like fact is people need water. Let's talk about people getting water. I think Jesus, you know, would be about that too. And we don't necessarily have to, you know, put, you know, uh, living water ministries to get that done. Now, if there's, there's probably a living water ministries, I'm not necessarily speaking against you, but what I'm saying is, is that like, that can be really big disagreements. I, it's interesting. I have talks with Christians that are frustrated and up in arms about things. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Global warming and climate change is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. God has given us this earth to steward. He's given us this earth to take care of. And we are literally taking a dump on it every single day. And so that, to me, that's a really big deal. That is standing at the south rim of the Grand Canyon. That is looking at these things and saying, this is this needs to change. This is a big deal. I'm really passionate about this. I have disagreements. And it, it's shocking that Christians would disagree with me on these things. Uh, and they continue to you know have these huge carbon footprints and don't even care about recycling or any of that thing. You know, whatever. But th- that's a big deal to me. But what I have to step back and say, you know what? The biggest deal is that we as people are unified and that we are one and that there is this unconditional love that surrounds us. So even though things look like very big deals and they look like the buck stops here, there's actually something further. And that's what Paul says, aim for restoration. We need to be restored with each other. He says, comfort one another. We need to comfort each other. And we need to not take shots at each other. That's that's one of the biggest issues in uh, the public Christian media sphere today is we don't comfort each other. We love to take shots at each other. I was, you know, for a long time, I was against, you know, I thought Joel Osteen was a heretic. And, you know, there was even a period of time where I was like, you know, Rob Bell is, uh, you know, obviously a false teacher. Uh, now, I mean... It's so funny. Now I look, Rob Bell is one of my most influential favorite people in the world. You know, I'm, I'm not super huge on Joel Osteen, but the fact is, is that like, he's a human and he's not perfect and he's trying to figure it out and you know, it's all good. So, you know, I, I think we need to certainly have some stances on some things, but I, I think that the goal should not be to put each other on blast. The goal needs to be to comfort one another and say, I am with you. I am for you. And we might have some differing views theologically. We might not even be of the same family of faith. We might not even be of the same religion. But the fact is, we need to comfort one another. And I know Paul's talking about those inside of the church and the family of faith. I know that. 
Um, but I would take it a step further. And I believe that Jesus would say, accept the outsider, but that's another talk for another time for today. I think that aim for restoration, comfort one another and agree with one another, live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. So what do we do about this? Agree with one another part. Cause if we don't agree, how do we learn to agree with one another? I think that like there is a sense of uh, humility that can be a part of this, that we can actually agree with one another, that we, even though we disagree, that there are more things that we can agree on, but choose not to because of our pride, um, because of our, what we think is uh, knowledge and wisdom. And we are humbling ourselves to be able to truly see that there could be some truth coming from this other person. It might be uh, outside of my faith tradition. It might be, um, you know, not accepted by the peers that are around me. If that's the case, you should probably find new peers. Any place where new thought, where humble acceptance of the potential of doing life with God, with people, with our world better, anywhere that that's not accepted is not a safe place. And so Paul's saying, certainly we can have disagreement. Certainly we can be passionate. Certainly we can have these things, but agreeing with each other is actually a possibility. It's actually something that is achievable. And so I think the people that I've talked to in the past that are passionate about uh, that there is, for instance, let's go back to the climate change, that there is no such thing as climate change. You know, I think that most of the time they're not willing to actually hear some of this stuff because they've been uh, forced to believe, you know, by their political party or whatever, that, that it's just bogus, that it's a money scheme, that it's this, that, and the other, which actually I would say that it's a money scheme on the opposite side. Anti-climate change is, is a money scheme. Sorry, that's my son. Um, but ultimately, like, I think that the people that I talk to uh, would actually agree with me more if simply the um the sense of feeling like a victim or the sense of feeling like it's your team and it's my team and one person has to have enough scoring on the board so that i win you lose i think if we could lose this dualistic mentality that we're plagued with in the western world that i think we could get to the the meat of what paul's saying of agree with one another more remember they were just in frustration they were in argument they were acting out of character they were uh you know these people thought that paul was taking advantage of them all of these things. And he says, even through that, we can agree with one another. How do we do that? I think it's when we begin to lose this idea that I win, you lose. And there has to be one or the other. Sorry about that. My son was going to be going to bed there. So the re the way that we can actually grow and see each other uh, truly and wholly and purely is whenever we're able to say, you know, I agree with you. And I didn't agree with you before, but I agree with you now. And so I think Paul's saying that, like, we can actually come together on more things than not. That we can actually learn to believe each other. And and even as he says, agree with one another. He had some disagreements with these people. But I think that he thought, like, at the end, whenever he was writing his final greeting of, you know, even though this has been a sticky situation, I'm going to do my best 
to agree with them where I can't agree and at least allow my mind to be stretched to say, you know, these people may be onto something. I think they might be right. I think sometimes we, we think that Paul could never learn that he learned it all and he's instructing people and that might be the case, but I would like to think that Paul could actually be shaped and be learned uh, and grown through uh, being with these people and through learning more about them. So agree with one another. Obviously, he thinks that that's possible. I think in our Western world, we think that it it can't be possible. We think polarization has to be um, the only way. But I think that there can be a unity through that because then he goes and he says, live in peace. Living in peace is to fully live in um, unity and harmony and in oneness with each other. And so even though there's disagreement, there can be a living in peace. And I think that as we seek to agree with each other more, that peace can be more easily acquired. It can be more readily available to us. I think we have so much uh, trouble living in peace is because we are so stuck on not agreeing with one another. And even before that, we don't want to comfort one another. We like to take shots at each other. And instead of aiming for restoration, uh, you know, we aim for actually a very broken Christian culture. And so I think that as we grow, as we evolve into this um, people who are for each other, that aim for restoration, that comfort one another, that agree with one another, that live in peace, and that he finally says that uh, the God of love and peace will be with you. That it, when we experience those things, when we actually um, do those things, when we actually aim for restoration, whenever we seek to agree with one another, when we live in peace, I think it's through that experience together, we actually experience God in our midst. That this God of love loves when we seek to love each other and we seek the welfare and the well-being of who we are as a collective unity of people. That he brings peace when we are seeking to be peacemakers, when you know, Jesus says, blessed are, you know, the peacemakers that, that we, when we seek that, when we aren't seeking to simply hold a position, when we aren't seeking to just see our team win and demonize the other, that we actually experience God in our midst. And I don't know about you, but when you're with those people, when you're in those places, and even in places where you're having disagreement, but you both begin to get off your high horse and you begin to see each other's point of view there actually becomes this really cool moment where we feel a oneness between us. Almost like what Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. As you begin to do that, you begin to experience God in that moment. And I think that the Holy Spirit rejoices with us in our agreeing, in our aiming for restoration, when we're not just arguing to argue, but we're arguing to actually say, my goal for this argument is that we would grow closer together, that we would be in unity, and that the God of love would be honored through this. Because if God is love, when we begin to love, we begin to experience more of the fullness of that God character of love. So I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down here. And and this is just kind of an off-the-cuff one. I This is a no-notes, just finished up reading, thought I should just turn on my mic and hit record. 
Um, so <laughs> hopefully uh, this is this is okay. And uh, I know this is an early episode, so it's cool. Um, for what it's worth, um, I just want to speak over you the words of Paul, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Love you all. And may we aim for that love as we experience the God of love and peace in our midst as we pursue love and peace. See you next time.